January 23rd, 2000. In Next Friday, Chris Tucker's Smokey was explained away from the sequel as having gone to rehab for marijuana after spending the last movie unable to raise $200. The kids were all playing Crazy Taxi, and they've been in medallion debt ever since. Massive flooding devastated the United States as the video for D'Angelo's untitled How Does It Feel hit the airwaves. Meanwhile, in New York City, The Rock faced 29 other superstars at the Royal Rumble. Fix yourself a nice tall glass of shut up juice. This is Hell in a Cell Phone. What's up? And welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt What's to make up? sense of the attitude era of WWE 20 years later. I'm your host, Aaron Benoit, joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello! And experiencing this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Uh, happy to be the uh, happy to be the podcast. I am the podcast. Happy to be on the podcast with uh, episodes as long as the amount of time I spent shoveling out my car right before the snow started again the next day. And speaking of snow, actually, um, this... Uh, You're an informer. Yes. <laughs> no, son of snow, me, I go, blam. Uh, January 23rd, 2000 was three days after my 18th birthday. Um, and we had a snowstorm that hit Maryland and I spent the entire day thinking that everybody had forgotten my birthday, but apparently my mom had, uh, arranged for a surprise party for me that, that night that had to be canceled because of the snowstorm. And so around 10, around like 10 o'clock, my sister's like, you know, mom was going to have a party for you, but, uh, the snow kind of got in the way of that. That's really funny. That's the ultimate surprise is, uh, no, there wasn't a part. There was a party, but we couldn't do it actually. So it's just back to normal, (laughs) normal things. If anything, you're more prepared for these days than the rest of us. (laughs) Right. They're actually, there's, they're still trying to throw you your 18th birthday surprise party. Yeah. Add the list of things we've had to cancel. (laughs) Things that have been taken away from me. Yeah. Aaron's, Aaron's 18th birthday party is like the 24 seven belt. We were all going to come up for your 39th birthday, Aaron, but I'm sorry about the snow and the COVID. Um, I think it's really funny that D- first the D'Angelo video for um, Untitled, How Does It Feel, is the sexiest music video ever recorded. And it's just him against a blank screen from different angles for three and a half minutes. But he called the song Untitled, but then follows it with How Does It Feel, which I would argue is a title. <laughs> No, he's asking you, how does it feel that this song has no title? <laughs> Confused and conflicted. I mean, isn't isn't calling that video the sexiest video just basically calling D'Angelo the sexiest person? You know, like, it's very uh, less is more type of thing, right? Like, he's just like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't need anything other than my uh, ridiculous abs. And don't forget the cum gutters. I was, was going to say the cum gutters, too. I, I also was going to say that. I do think that is the first place I became excruciatingly aware of that part of the body. <laughs> Just like uh, nose up as close to the television as possible yeah. before it devolved into a series of pixels the eye could not pick up anymore. Of course, just like a paint, just just against the TV, painfully engorged, just fully, 
obsessing. Yeah, it was wonder. Uh, it is to this day wonderful. I think it, it holds up. Mm hmm. Hundred percent. Timeless. And and uh, so coming up with the uh, the rundown for the beginning of this, there was kind of a barren wasteland for entertainment in early two thousand. I guess that makes sense. Maybe that's why the Royal Rumble um, I love so much is because entertainment kind of shoots its load right before Christmas. And then there's not a lot to look forward to after that. Like the Royal Rumble is the next thing for me to look for other than my birthday. But then again, we already talked about how much little play that gets. Can't count on the first thing I look forward to. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Like, you know, look at like Jesus was born. Mm -hmm. Right. And then after that, they were like, okay, we have, you know, I'm going to, I want to do it before award season is over. (laughs) And then, they're like, you know, then April is for uh, the spring preview. Uh, sorry, Easter is for the spring previews. Yeah, Easter just keeps getting earlier and earlier every year. Only other things of note for me, um, Explosions in the Sky's first album apparently came out this early. They weren't on my radar until 2003. And the the only new movie in wide release that week is a movie called Down to You. With Freddie Prinze Jr. and Julia Stiles that I cannot remember for the life of me. I that's uh, familiar. Saw that movie in theaters sure on you a did. date with a girl. <laughs> oh boy, you still uh, <laughs> still think you were bisexual at that point? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was gonna I was gonna uh, stay on that train as long as I can, as long or as were I you, can ride it. Or were you that far along with your identity that you're like, I am a bisexual? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I pretty much, I think I had a feeling the jig was up, but it was sort of like, uh, unclear how to play this hand. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Do you, do you shoot the moon or do you still try to like win some tricks? I don't know. Right. Isn't that. And also that there, again, I mean, famously wasn't a ton of options around to, uh, figure it out with or for anyway. So like there was really no rush (laughs) in committing one way or another. Either way, I needed someone to like go see Freddie Prince Jr. movies with. Sure. I just feel like this movie, if it had just been released a month sooner, back in 1999, the 2000s were not kind to Freddie Prinze or Julia Stiles. Well, Freddie Prinze, of course, famously becomes uh, a writer for the WWE. Oh my god, that's right. So, relevant for this podcast. There we go. So we are talking today about the 2000 Royal Rumble from Madison Square Garden. They will not let you forget that. And it starts off by saying, they call you Cactus Jack. They call you Triple H. And I'm really glad we got that out of the way. (laughs) Yeah, the promos are talking to each other. It's weird. (laughs) Well, wait, before we get too into that, Madison Square Garden, you know, is is super important to the WWF. Like, that's considered, like, their home venue. And so that's why they make a big deal about it. And they've only, I believe, still, uh, they only were hosting big four pay-per-views there. And this was the first Rumble there. They had been Survivor Series, obviously, and SummerSlam and uh, Mania there before. So this is the mm-hmm. first Rumble in the Garden. And it's, you know, a big four. And everything they do with the Garden is always super big and special. Well, also, didn't they, weren't, didn't they just uh, premiere the WWF restaurant? Oh, we're going to talk about that. Don't you worry. <laughs> Don't you worry your pretty little But you know head. what I mean? Like, this is like some vertical integration going on. They're like, in or you know, for, for uh, Madison Square Garden, for when we host, like one of our big four, we're going to have that restaurant up and running. 
Yeah. Oh, there were meetings about this. I'm sure. I think I'm sure Shane McMahon had like big poster boards and easels and pointers that he like presented this whole idea to. I don't know if it was literally Shane McMahon, but I'm just saying like someone somewhere gave a presentation. Yeah, I think Shane McMahon was just like the Mater D when they opened. But this opening is awesome. Once you get past uh, all of the names, this is the Armageddon intro, like all grown up. Yeah, they had really good promos to pull from, right? Like the, you know, when you start with good ingredients, you don't really need to do a lot of doctoring. You can just, you know, put the package together from what they already put on the screen. And, um, you know, we we have a lot of fun here with their intros uh, at, <laughs> at Hell in a Cell Phone. But this one was just a good intro. And then I got very nostalgic for the New York that was when the computer-generated Times Square shows up and all of the lasers shoot up from one Times Square as though it's lighting up like Kefka's Light of Judgment in Final Fantasy III. It's... Okay, now... This was like the future version of the HBO city. Is that right? And I'm trying to think, or like <laughs> if, if like, if they finally like made skyscrapers in Tron, uh-huh. is that, does that work? You're, I don't know. This is the, the city in HBO. Like on the intro, like, yeah. And also all lowercase. Yeah. All lowercase is a real choice. Huh? Mm-hmm. And then okay. Lady Liberty's torch burst through the computer-generated landscape to reveal the WWF logo. But then we get to the show itself, and oh my god, speaking of cum gutters, Taz is here. Who is Taz? Oh, Taz. I'm a surprised. I guess you might have missed Taz completely. Taz had a very long career at the WWF, known mostly as a commentator. Um Taz and Samoa Joe actually have a lot in common, like uh, in terms of like their whole vibe. Taz was a huge ECW star, um, but obviously he's a little bit on the smaller side when it comes to uh, pro wrestlers. But he was like a no nonsense ECW badass. Like he had his own belt called like the Fuck the World title. Like he was full. Like he was that. Uh, he everything that ECW purported to be, Taz really like had in spades. Um, just like That's one awesome. nasty, tough dude. And they had been hyping on WWF television leading up to this. And you might've seen it in some of our, um, deep dive stuff. You might've gone through like the flashing orange lights, the 13 that was building anticipation hype for this debut. It would be like uh, Steve Blackman is coming to the ring and all of a sudden uh, the Steve Blackman whipping around karate sticks up on the Titan Tron would be replaced by a glowing orange tribal tattoo that would like boom, boom, boom with a 13 <laughs> on it. And never did I think um, a glowing orange tribal tattoo would be cooler than anything, but it is definitely <laughs> cooler than Steve Blackman's <laughs> light up karate stick nonsense. <laughs> It, it, the that tattoo it looks like it was probably the basis for like the monster or for the maybe soba energy drink or monster energy drink or yeah. soba tea i don't know Let, one of those black cans let's be real shane mcmahon's real job planning for this event they were like okay shane you're in charge of coming up with the taz logo and he was like i'm on it and he has like a million <laughs> post-it notes and napkins where it's like all drawn he's like layering tribal bands on top of tribal bands he he just takes out his uh his school um loose leaf binder 
And it's just like pages upon pages of like, you know, the S, but also then <laughs> just a lot of tribal tattoos. Well, he used um, brown paper bags to wrap his textbook. So he just did on the outside of that. <laughs> I'm feeling attacked right now. <laughs> really feeling attacked. <laughs> uh, Bobby, do you know how it is that everybody knew that Taz was going to be premiering at this pay-per-view and specifically during this match? Well, this was like a dirt sheet thing for sure they knew that he was signed they knew that he was coming he was i mean he was a huge star in ecw so when he left ecw like it was known that he was leaving because he was signed to the wwf and especially ecw fans if you were going to pick like uh of the three ecw wwf and wcw at the time like they're going to be the 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 smarkiest of the of the smarks you know they're mm-hmm. going to they were going to be the ones who were the most hardcore and the most following the sort of industry chatter um and taz is also you know uh new york is home and so it's also like a little bit of like a hometown thing uh, as well. Tess is a Red Hook boy. I think we've uh, we've seen him during our end of friend and stay picnics, picnics down at Valentino Pier. Really? Oh, how, is he a Red Hook guy? A Red Hook guy. Yeah. Ooh, I bet he's over by where they uh, where the motorcycle club is. I bet he Actually, hates everything that's going on in Red Hook right now. No, he's just a Brooklyn crab but, waiting for his whole party. They won't see him without them. <laughs> <laughs> don't even try <laughs> but he, and every time he leaves he's like was that good i don't know if that was <laughs> was good. that worth it I, I can't tell it's nice being up here <laughs> the friendship is nice <laughs> i mean i like seafood objectively yeah open air dining i enjoy the the, the sort of game court down below but <laughs> could these pieces individually um, been better uh enjoyed separately <laughs> <laughs> Um, can I just say, by the way, Kurt Angle was totally right in his beginning, you know, before Taz came out, where he's just like talking about uh, they shouldn't count on the Knicks or or uh, Patrick Ewing. He's exactly right. He had them dead to rights. Yep. Still to this day. Yeah. They're looking like a... Yeah, we, we cannot count on, on Patrick Ewing in 2021 to take the Knicks to a championship. Not going to happen. And these two guys, this was like the battle of the enormous thighs. Yeah. I mean, Kurt Angle yeah, were... looks so cute. <laughs> I mean, like, I had the, I had, I had the biggest crush on Kurt Angle then and now and forever. I mean, like, that is... <laughs> Rewatching this, I was like, yep, holds up. Uh but this was fun. I mean, Taz is known. I mean, like we'll get to know Taz more. The human suplex machine. Um, that's like kind of his whole thing. He's this kind. Of, he's just like this. Just like almost. Um, it's funny because it's kind of like he is sort of like if Kurt Angle and the Acolytes um, went into the fly machine. You know. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um. And this was also the first time we kind of get a, a look at, at the set that they've got here. I think it's a really cool. They got the, the graffiti on like the, the steel walls and a taxi hanging above the entry awesome. ramp. They awesome. got that from the Caliente Cab Company. <laughs> it's uh it that's it, you know, in, in, in Madison Square Garden they were serving really good salsa uh and all kinds of different margs. Um you know what I kept being distracted by and confused by? That it seemed the entrance way, the entrance ramp was also like an active pedestrian zone. <laughs> I know. That I was like, 
are people just like imagine like going to raw and just like walking across the ramp to get another vodka soda i mean like could you imagine how perilous that would be i was like what are they i mean dotson must be working overtime man dotson's gonna be calling in backup dotson's gonna have them on the uh, grid system but it seemed like they because it seemed like they would hold them and they don't let them go at certain times then people would run very fast <laughs> And Wait, remember. does that ex- does that explain Kai and Tai? That <laughs> makes more sense now. <laughs> also, though, I, well, there's background on that that I think we missed, but we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll talk about that when it, the time comes. But imagine the Royal Rumble; it's like you can only get up to pee like in between entrances. And they're like, "No, I'm sorry, you just have to stay." And it's like, "What? How is this logistically possible?" It it was like <laughs> boggling my mind. How is this up to fire codes? It just was, seems wait dangerous. was that was. Was backstage just like the outs, you know, the part of uh, the concourse of Madison Square Garden? Like all the wrestlers are like gorilla position is by the men's room. Gorilla, and, like, all the gorilla position is just set up at the Dippin' Dots. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. I'm so curious about like how it was working. As you were watching, it, I was like, "This is crazy." I was like, this looks insane. Like, what is it? There was just so much running back and forth and up and down. And and you could tell that they weren't allowed. They had to, like, go quickly. I was like, what is happening? Uh, but the set otherwise, though, is cool. I yeah. liked it a lot. And this crowd is fucking. They had the, they had the cab cam. <laughs> yeah. This crowd is fucking jacked, too. They're so excited for the show. And then this match ends with a sleeper hold. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, Taz mission, Taz mission, uh-huh. right? And ends by Taz mission, right? It's not but quite a sleeper. Okay, it's a little bit. No, it's a little bit more than this. It's a modified sleeper. Okay, there were there were some good suplexes. There, there were some scary looking suplexes actually, like ones that looked like they. I mean, maybe that they just decided to make them look rougher, but there were ones that looked like they. Uh, like it, they, if they had been just slightly off, then somebody would have gotten seriously hurt. Um, but you know, yeah, the submission part was not the best. Also, the M- the EMT had a lot of trouble putting the oxygen mask on Kurt, rubbing Angle. Kurt Angle's face. You mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> giving him his he was just medicinal like, rubs. <laughs> like, let's just put it this way: I. I hope I'm never sitting next to that EMT on a plane that's going. I hope I'm never on a plane that's going down. But if I am, I'm hope I hope I'm not next to that EMT because he like could not get the the uh, strap over Kurt Angle's giant thumb head. Well, the also, problem was plane... that he forgot to uh, put the mask on himself first before putting it on Kurt Angle. That's why he was, <laughs> right, having he so was much losing. Trouble. He was losing oxygen. <laughs> if the plane's going down, I don't want the EMTs on it with me. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I like don't know. I, I would really want the EMTs there so that they could give me a nice gentle rubbing to uh, to ease my That's nerves true. as the plane is going down. That is very true. Um, I I'm gonna keep pushing back on this. On, I didn't hate the submission ending, and I liked it a for how it played into the story later. Um, and I mean, Bobby Lashley is is winning these days with a full Nelson, and to me, a full Nelson is sub uh, sleeper in uh, terms of I like don't... impressive stuff. To see enormous Bobby and and again, like I'm I'm not I'm not completely knocking the ending here. Just when you've got this guy coming out the gates, you've got a crowd this hot to just kind of like have this the, this first end, not with a bang but a whimper. But also, Bobby Lashley is a freak of a human being. Like nobody is built like him. He is enormous, and to see him just ragdolling guys with with a, a full Nelson, like I've done a complete 180 on Bobby Lashley ever since. MVP oh yeah, I want him to main event. 
Mania, for sure. Yes, yes, definitely. Okay, we're on the same page there. Yeah, but I think the thing is, though, but, you know, that's very interesting, because I think, you know, Taz's career is a really interesting one to watch unfold here, because mm-hmm. he is not built like your typical wrestler. And so he can't have a finish that's like a delayed vertical suplex or a jackhammer or like anything like that, because he's a tiny little dude. He's going to do that to the big show, to Kane, you know what I mean? To, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even to test, you know what I mean? Like, not even uh-huh. talking about the obvious giants, but just like the wrestler-sized dudes, um, how is he going to pull off like certain finishers? So I think he's going to have to do a submission the same way that the same thing that helped, you know, spur Jericho to go for a submission, you know, because he's a smaller guy. You kind of have to have that kind of thing. If it's, or unless it's going to be like more of a striking super kick, whatever. But I think with Taz, I, I support it. And I think as we see the character more and get to see it more in action, maybe it'll sit, it'll hit different. Before we move on, can we talk about Taz's head for a minute? Sure. So, He's got the mohawk, but it looks like he had just gotten a buzz cut and decided, you know what? I want to go with a hawk. It's just this little, little tiny, little tiny strand right there. And then his facial hair looks like what I do when I decide I'm going to go clean slate, shave off my beard, but I'm going to have a little bit of fun with it along the way. Yeah, and you give yourself like an Eagles of Death Metal sort of handlebar mustache. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, the partial shave for the next couple days where you're just like, well, I wonder what this will look like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that tracks. I'm looking at pictures of him now. Um, I mean, I have seen the uh, the pseudo-hawk, right? I've seen that before. It's kind of like, uh, you know, like, hey, I, I want a little bit of... Um, want a little bit of grass on the field but you know i still want a pitcher's mound you just need a the, little more is what i'm saying just a little yeah, more yeah so let's go backstage where michael cole is talking with the hardys and we're getting now kind of a glimpse into uh the fully formed final form of the dudley boys yeah both of these actually I mean like both these teams i think are kind of like are, are have evolved you know a lot in a short amount of time. I think even the Hardys look is, is getting closer to what we know them most famously for. Uh, and to your point, also the Dudley's gimmick is, is sort of changing both the outward appearance and some of the mannerisms and some of the key characteristics. So both of these teams are kind of uh, have hit, have hit that next level. Um, and I can't wait till we talk about this match. Mm-hmm. What, well, what's Matt Hardy's accent, by the way, uh, North Kakalaki. <laughs> <laughs> Because it just sounded like bizarre to me. I couldn't place it. I mean, especially young Matt Hardy. Just, I, you know, like I'm used to uh, later Matt Hardy where he's very theatrical. So hearing this baby talk, it was like, could not place him. And when he's saying things like, everybody knows the Dudleys are the masters of putting people through tables. I don't think we quite know that yet. Although I guess this crowd, yeah. a, a real ECW crowd, might know that from back then, but I, they're still kind of evolving that gimmick in WWF. I mean, nobody knows the Dudley's post grad work. Like, what <laughs> you know? Like, what are your accreditations? Are you going for your doctorate? And it was a little weird the line about uh, not letting. Um, I'm, I almost called her Trish there. Letting uh, Terry come out with them because it's going to be the war zone out there. Terry, you might go through a table. They're masters at it. 
But they're going to put the Dudleys through the table or die trying. Holy shit. Uh, by the way, I, I, was, I, I, I noticed when um, the Dudleys came out, I was like, every time Bubba Ray talks, I'm always like, maybe this will be the time. And then he started stuttering. I was like, this is not the time. But you, it's very close. You and me both, Eric. Yeah, this is this is my uh, my goodwill hunting speech, <laughs> Bubba Ray. Every time, every best part of my day every morning is right before you talk, and the worst part of my day is when you talk. So we got the Dudley Boys come out trashing New York, even though they're just two guys from Queens. And do you remember, Eric? What exactly was the? the I know John Rocker was kind of the basis for the the Kenny Powers character, but what was he? like known for around this time do you remember oh god was he was he the pitcher that was like um the reliever was it he wasn't on the yankees was he i thought he was on the braves i believe was it was it like one of the times that the yankees were in the world series or oh it must have been so it must have been a mets thing because the mets and the braves are i i mean the things i know god what do i remember about john rocker um I think I just remember that he just like talked a lot of shit. Yeah. Um, I I remember hearing about him in his post baseball career, kind of like still talking shit and still coming around and like, uh, just like being a, a just a walking punchline. But oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so I looked up what John Rocker said. Didn't it, what, didn't he say the N word or something? Well, he said he was asked um, in Sports Illustrated in December of 1999 if he would ever play for the Yankees or the Mets. And he said he'd retire first. It's the most hectic, nerve-wracking city. Imagine having to take the seven trains to the ballpark, looking like you're riding through Beirut next to some kid with purple hair, next to some queer with AIDS, right next to some dude who just got out of jail for the first time, and he just keeps going on and on. Uh, yes, I do remember that, actually. Still, though, when that they said when they said uh, about him being the mayor, still would probably be better than Giuliani in hindsight, or at least as good. Yeah, I don't know. I gotta say, equal, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I'm, I'm sure you know what he probably wouldn't have got much done. He definitely wouldn't have r- r- like rode on the uh, seven train. So, all right, let's forget about that and let's talk about this fucking amazing match. I didn't. So at first, I was like thrown by the rules and the format of this tables mm-hmm. tech, tables match, which is not what we're so, familiar with. So today. is Jr. <laughs> but what I like about I actually in the end I was like, oh, this is actually way better than how they do them now. So what we've got here is we've got yeah your typical tables tornado tag, meaning both partners in at the same time. The objective is to put both of your opponents through through tables. Now there's a couple key differences from what we know and love today in a tables match, which the tables match is these days are uniformly disappointing and almost everyone hates them. Mm-hmm. But what makes it work here is uh, you have to put each unique member of the team through the table, but they're not eliminated. They don't leave to the back of them. They're still actively in this match. Mm-hmm. Also, you have the, they, you have to be put through the table. You cannot put yourself through the table. There is no mm-hmm. like dodging and then letting someone throw themselves through the table, which is why I feel like every tables match ends that, since we've started watching wrestling again. Um, like in contemporary wrestling in like 2015, the majority of which I feel like they end in someone putting themselves through a table more mm-hmm. often than not. Um, so I thought that was a really key component. Uh, yeah, yeah, those are the two, those those were the two things that made this weird. And at first, it was like jarring and hard to follow. And then, but as it went on, I was like, oh, actually, this is better. 
I, well, wait, there was one other part, though. Um, they they mentioned this earlier, and JR was very confused about this, and then the ending kind of supported it, so I don't know which way it was. But I remember hearing them say, you have to, like, both partners have to be put through, conse- like, two consecutive tables, meaning that, like, uh, you know, if if I put, like, Matt Hardy through a table and then... Uh, you know, and then Bubba Ray goes through a table. Putting Jeff through a table does not mean I win because. Oh wait, it, is it, that true? I didn't catch that. They, I just... they did say that. I don't know. Like, it, I I feel like that was a little bit of confusion. This would have all been cleared out very very well with just one of those graphics that they put yeah. explaining the rules yes. right before the match. But I caught that too, Eric. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but it worked as far as the logic of this match goes. I. I took it as both partners had to go uniquely. You couldn't put the same person through it twice. It had to be the, each partner had to go through individually. But I yeah, s- I mean, the, yes, consecutive though is was what was what interested for me. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about that, wondering if it was like a four corners match, like if it gets broken, it was a good. But it, it wound yeah. up as far as the finish goes, it doesn't really matter whether it was that like it never came into play as far as the match goes. So I think it was one of those things that maybe they threw out, but then on in hindsight, they're like, Oh, I don't think we really need this in the rules. I mean, it, it, it conformed to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like it wound up being that two people both consecutively got put through tables. Right. But yeah, like they didn't, they didn't play with what happens when it doesn't succeed. Right. Right. But mm-hmm. there was no moment where they were like, oh, he went through the table first. So it, it, he's, uh, he's eliminated the, the, the worry about his team going through it. Right. Um, although, you know, one of the, th- one of the things I did like about this, I, I think, I don't remember how many tables, how many table matches I've seen in like a, a post, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, in the in the modern times but um i i did not realize like i I liked the move of in order to help my partner i'm just gonna move the table out of the way and let them take like let them take a bump you know the way uh, on the mat normally you know what i mean like whereas uh if somebody is being pinned or if you're trying to do a move on somebody your tag your tag team partner might like try to break up Mm -hmm. the move itself Mm mm-hmm in this case, they're like, oh, no, 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 you go ahead and do the move, but you're not going to get that table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we spent so much time, well, well the, uh, the the rules of the match says consecutive, for, and we're spending less time talking about the fact that Jeff Hardy was running across the barricade and Bubba Ray Dudley threw a table at his face. Amazing. So good. Uh, um. Other amazing spots. So they've got the the steel steps within the ring. They set up a table on top of it and go through there. Yes. The oh my god! Uh, absolutely never want to take a chair shot from from either of the Hardy Boys. No, or from the Dudleys, or really from no. anyone. But yeah. but on- <laughs> anybody, anybody. But Jesus, they made chair shot. Like you know, I'm used to. I'm a little bit used to uh, the the Triple H school of chair shots where you get like one good chair shot. And then there's a lot of like, I'm going to hit you in the gut now. Uh, not so in this match, every chair shot looked like it was uh, rocking their worlds. It was just ridiculously painful looking to see those chair shots. I mean, didn't did the, the crowd started busting out the Holy shit at this match, right? Yes. Oh, definitely. 
100%. Amazing. And so this is the second match. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It's the, I mean, and this is, I mean, this is the year of the tag team we're about, we're entering and what a way to kick us off. And I, I'm just, God, I forgot how much I loved these matches. And like going back to this is like, Oh, like literally it's these matches that made me excited to do this podcast until like go back and revisit yeah. these yeah. at all. Like it's for like, this is the stuff that it holds up. And it, it just like it, when seeing this as a kid, well, and I, I, we're getting a taste of it because we've watched so much of this leading up to this now. You know, we've now have like, you know, four years almost of, of content catching up at this point. So I think we do appreciate it. But, you know, we see so much ricochet and, and, and stuff the and like AJ Styles and whatever today. But back then, seeing this on TV felt insane and the coolest thing I've ever seen. And Bobby, I mean, I think you'll agree with me that this just hits a little bit different than what we're watching today. The visceral reaction that I had to this match, literally just yelling, yo, while I'm sitting on my couch by myself watching this. Uh, Natalie coming in from the other room to check on me, make sure everything's okay while I'm watching this. It's something special. This is this is the most I've like actively enjoyed watching a match in a while. Like there's there's a few matches that I've enjoyed, but like I was so charmed by this match. I mean, it looked like it it felt like I was watching a, like backyard wrestling. Mm-hmm. It felt like like uh in all the good ways. You know, like like <laughs> like where it's just a bunch of idiots who don't know what they shouldn't be doing to their bodies, so they're just jumping off of like the roof of the house. You oh, know, it's so like the it's Hardy like Boys. Old, you know, yeah, basically, <laughs> right. It's like it's like Mick Foley, you know, like the old Mick Foley stuff. Uh amazing to watch. I oh my god, when Devon got thrown into a fan, <laughs> that was cool. That fan, I'm sure, loved it. I mean, just just such a fun, fun match. Amazing ending. What a good ending. Uh, this is like... I mean, it's iconic. I that's, mean, that, that's playing... They play that still in, you know, packages to this day of that. Like that. It's like one of the most famous, like, beloved spots that off the entranceway of that Madison Square Garden. It's, I mean, it is literally iconic. I'm getting chills. Yeah. Like... Ah uh, man, compare and and I th- I think about the last really good Hardy Boys match, which was them with Edge and Christian, which was also amazing. I don't know. I think this might be better. Well, you, honestly, mm. we haven't even hit peak yet. There's still yeah. more. I mean, oh like my God. that's what like the stuff you're about to see is going to blow your your, your little wrestle mind. Like that's the stuff. This stuff is this is some of the best stuff we're going to see. Period. I'm looking forward to seeing awesome. uh, when we get to our Slammy Awards before WrestleMania. What, uh, where are we going with Match of the Year with some of these stuff? Ooh, yeah, yeah. I've I've already started thinking about it. I'm like, oh boy, I got to do some homework and and go back <laughs> to the episodes. We go backstage where the paramedic is checking on Kurt Angle, but doesn't have a lot of answers for Kurt Angle. See, I like this paramedic. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I've got a question here. Uh, why, if if you're you're a paramedic, you are a, a health professional. You seem to be noticing that the person that you're treating is having a lot of trouble standing. In fact, you're telling him that he's having a lot of trouble. Why are you insisting on keeping him standing while you're while you're questioning him? Well, yes, uh, that's, and part, was... that's, 
<laughs> That's part if of it, the uh, 2000 WWF concussion protocol. <laughs> keep him standing. Do not let him sit. If he stands, he lands, boys. If I was there, like I, I might have tried to overboard him. <laughs> I'd be like, yes, Kurt, you won. Also, we're in love. <laughs> you have to take care of my kids now. <laughs> Oh, it took me a second to realize what overboarding was, but it was worth it. Yeah, I'm glad that hit. I'm glad that hit. <laughs> so rape him. Uh, you would rape him. No, yeah, I was, I was thinking, I'm like, boy, this is problematic. But in like a Goldie <laughs> Hawn cute way, in a way where this would not, I would, it wouldn't go, I, I, I would give up the ruse before ever taking advantage of him. Okay, good. And, and, he'd, and he'd actually fall in love with you. Yeah, and that's how the movie would end. That's why it's overboarding. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was going to say, why not put him on a unicycle? But I think overboarding is the better move on this. <laughs> but uh, this continues the story. Kurt Angle still considers himself to be undefeated because uh, he was and it was an illegal chokehold that took him out of the match. Is, I mean, but is it, it doesn't he consider himself undefeated because he's had a concussion? Isn't that really <laughs> what happened? Like, he's just like, I'm undefeated, right? And they're all like, yeah, man, uh, whatever. Do, do you feel like you have to vomit? So then we have the cast of The Sopranos out there to judge the Miss Royal Rumble bathing suit contest. Amazing. I wrote, I wrote Slaughter looks like he's going to give me a pound of prosciutto. <laughs> so- <laughs> Hey, uh, you got any Gabagool from the Sarge? I need some mozzarella from my guy, Johnny V. Sergeant Slaughter, <laughs> Tony Gurea, the fabulous Moolah, Johnny V, and Freddie Blassie. All legends you... out here to judge the Miss Royal Rumble bathing suit contest. Did, 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 it, did you guys catch the, uh, the fan who kissed Moolah on the lips? Ooh, no, I missed that. He, like, grabbed Moolah's face and was going in for, like, a full-on, like, you know, full kiss. Well, how could you resist that gem sweater? (laughs) (laughs) It was totally outrageous. Everyone in the crowd there is expecting titties. They have to be after Armageddon. Yeah. Um, Ivory wearing a fleece pullover is so funny to me. Yes. Very funny. Totally 100% funny. So yeah, so there's some things that I like here. Terry gets to be Terry. Terry? She was in a cloth robe, which I call a Terry cloth robe. <laughs> you know what, Terry? <laughs> Terry understands the assignment. That's what mm-hmm. Terry does. Ah, Terry yes. understands the assignment most of the time, I would say. As mm-hmm. opposed to a few other folks who I think never understand the assignment. Like, BB truly has not understood one assignment she's been given. <laughs> I don't understand how you look like BB and then you come out looking like BB. It's amazing. <laughs> also, I, I can't believe they're making such a big deal about BB when I'm like, first of all, it's without question that Jackie has the most insane body. That if you're like, oh, mm-hmm. where your whole character is based around how big your breasts are, when Jackie is next to you, whose breasts are demonstrably larger, I'm like, so how is that? And again, not that any character should be defined by the size of their breast, but if it just seemed to me like very strange. And obviously, there's some low key, high key uh, race stuff at play in that as well. But yes, it, for sure. It just seems insane to me that they were like, here's, and I was like, BB, you don't, uh, what? Like, nothing made any sense. I agree. Well, I was because, like, because Jackie has other things to offer. 
That's true. Like, but like Jackie has a personality and we, we saw here, she's even got a cowboy hat. But Jackie, like BB should be wearing Jackie's bikini. And you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You're like, yes. so why is BB out here in like a normal human being, uh, girl in her twenties at the beach bikini you know what i mean and like uh-huh. jackie's out there in like a, a hustler's upside down on a pole bikini which is like what the assignment is right like i should be seeing i mean you, you, I, there should be a rule here that you, it should be 75 percent of your breast should be visible <laughs> also also like terry and jackie know uh, terry especially know how to play to the crowd like go to every side of the ring say hi to everybody like they're giving it all they're all BB just comes out and stands there. And then we also learned her name is actually Barbara Bush. Yes, yes. Which, that's, you're kind of burying the lead there, man. And I think I told you guys <laughs> what her original character was. So it was supposed to be, right? I think no. It, she was supposed to be Nurse Connie Lingus was originally the. Oh, what, right. What she that's was how we got into the whole, uh, the whole, um, uh, uh, one of the many James Bond. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Ah, right. uh, yes. It all comes Connie back to me now. But they are. Uh, she's so, got what a what a personality vacuum. No charisma. Zero charisma. Well, she learned it. She learned everything she knows from Sable. Yeah, true. She's given us. Go on, girl. Give us nothing. Um, and what was Luna? I don't understand. Like, I get, I understand that the, the Luna was trying to do an ivory. I understand. I was like, which first of all seems unnecessary. You're like, we mm-hmm. are, we already, we're already playing that beat. But yeah. then also, she's like, I'm not taking off my entirely sheer robe. And I was like, cool statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, made no sense. She looked great though. And also, I want to be clear that overall, I wish this segment didn't exist. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yes, but so yes. I, I don't want to like harp on, and I'm just only harping on like the 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 failures of it in terms of like boob reveal because i'm trying to even understand the segment like in the rubric it was given you know (laughs) like in like even by your stated goals i feel like this segment failed well on my personal opinion it failed already but Uh it i think even by like the like what they are attempting it it fails on that face too yeah, you're you're you know, we're grading it on the curve of what did you intend what did you set out to do and what did you accomplish? Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, the the games of it were were like bizarre to me. Uh as as you know, as I as you said, Terry made sense, Jackie made sense, Ivory made sense. I've you know, yep. she's Ivory's been doing that that gag for a while now. Um also I don't know what um, Andy Richter brought to it other than like he works with, at Conan. They would probably were like, quick, who is in New York City and available right now? <laughs> <laughs> Who's Honestly. available all the time? Who's available? Yes. At this point, I wonder, was he still co-hosting? Was he still with Conan? Yeah. 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 Okay. I wasn't sure at this yeah. point if he still was. Yeah. Then uh, on late night, uh, it was on late night with Conan. Who's, yeah. who, who's here? You know what I mean? Who's around? Quick. It was either him or Al Roker, I'm sure. <laughs> But they did. I, I, this all drove me nuts. Also, the cat yeah, the made cat, no sense yeah. either. The bubble wrap bikini was actually more opaque and more and the most coverage up there. <laughs> the cat's bikini looked like she was wearing a diaper. Yeah, she was wearing more clothes than Luna. Like the whole thing made no sense. I was like, she I, watched. I don't... Uh, she watched Fried Green Tomatoes the night before and completely missed the point of that part. <laughs> Wait, is that something in Fried Green Tomatoes? Yeah. Um. 
Kathy Bates wears a, a um, you know, my girlfriend, Kathy Bates, the first girl <laughs> I ever asked out, uh, wore um, saran wrap to, and like uh, to, to let her husband into the door. To, like, oh, said, I never I never saw the movie. So, oh, it's lovely. Interesting. Um, also, does the cat have Mero and Sable's music? No, but they definitely use the wow, and, I, and I'm yeah. sure they did it on purpose to piss off, like as as a as a fuck you to Sable. It's like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's the scream that they use in all the movies? It's like the Wilhelm scream. You could hear the same scream in like Star Wars and Indiana Jones, and and it's like the, this famous scream from like the 30s. Like that. Ah! Yeah, like that. Yeah. Also, uh. Ivory's bathing suit was ugly, right? Oh my god! It made it, it was bizarre. I was like, because I think Ivory is. I mean, again, these are all beautiful women, but I, I, it made it just looked crazy. It like it went up too high and also too low. I was like, what? Yeah, it looked like not, it was not a flattering bathing suit. It looked like something like a nineteen thirties um, male circus performer would wear. Yeah, I definitely got like um like clean and jerk vibes, you know, like uh professional weightlifter. Yeah. And oh, the flat the flat um wrestling shoes didn't make matters <laughs> better either. They were also purple. I was like and the and the the bikini was like teal. Like the whole thing I was like, "Come on. Either do it or don't do it or, you know what I mean? Like let's pick a lane here." So as much as this is a bad segment, as much as it, it doesn't even accomplish what it goes out for, it at least is another opportunity for Mae Young to be amazing. Oh my God, saved the day. <laughs> she showed up and I was like, oh, never mind. Now I'm in. <laughs> there's something. Yeah, I bas- there's something oh, about the way that Mae Young says my puppies that just gets me every single time. <laughs> um. There is like, basically, I guess my the note I had about this was this segment sucks, so might as well make it funny. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just well, yeah. That's, Mayo, you want to slip a tit? Go for it. That's the women's division for the foreseeable future. <laughs> that's the that's the wow. guiding principle. It's gonna be bad. Let's just make it stupid. Uh, this I will say, no one wears pantyhose in a bathing suit like May Young. <laughs> 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 I loved her. Obviously, you know, she does. You know, she flashes the boobs, but they're prosthetic. They're not her real boobs that are flashed. She was wearing a prosthetic thing uh, over her actual boobs, so they looked worse than they would have looked Got in it. real life. Is is the point? They were like comically saggy and whatever, um, but still lifelike. Oh, they were... that's a shame that they're gonna that they were gonna like you know black it out. Like one, you know, yeah. It's a joke that only a Madison Square Garden could see. But you still but... saw something, and they purposely edited it badly. You know, censored it badly because again, it's almost now they're very much engaged with this uh, like very public media war happening because they're hitting this huge, massive amount of popularity. The storylines are crazier and crazier. We, we talked about the Al Snow figure thing already. There's like a bunch of. There's a lot of pushback on wrestling as a cultural institution because it's so big that obviously it attracts like the what about the children types. And so that's I think 
that's also at play here. And I think uh, in response to last pay-per-view and the cat, I think what they're doing is being like, oh yeah, oh, censor. No, we're going to censor. We're trying, uh, but mm-hmm. we can't. We, we tried to censor this one. And I think it's all kind of like part of like a winking and a nudging and sort of like a rubbing, a thumbing in the nose, thumb in the eye. I don't know. Something's getting thumbed. Thumbing in the nose. Much. Mark Henry's thumbing something. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> But yeah, well, we're not at that deep dive yet. More in that in our next deep dive. LOL. He threatens again. (laughs) (laughs) So then after that, the fans are about to murder Coach at the WWF restaurant. There was definitely that. I will not stop getting over that this is not the restaurant. It is the site-based entertainment complex, which is the fanciest (laughs) word for Dave and Buster's I've ever heard of my entire life. (laughs) Um, there's just fans just giving the middle finger to the camera, like, oh, just right in front of the camera. <laughs> we know that there was some PA there who's like, all right, guys, we're going to go live from the Royal Rumble. And as soon as we do, we want you to go crazy. And they were not ready for them to go that crazy. Poor coachman. I mean, like, I'm like, I don't feel safe. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't feel safe on his behalf. Yeah, Bobby, uh, you've said on on multiple times how if if you could be there right now, then you would be at the WWF restaurant. That is what you would have to like push your way through. I know, I know. I think about that all the time, and and truly, it's I'm ready. I'm ready for that sacrifice. <laughs> I want to go so bad. <laughs> okay, wait, Aaron, can I tell Eric the 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 idea? That I... Of course, <laughs> and we can keep this in. Um, Eric, I think we should do an episode after WrestleMania because I know we've got a packed schedule of things to get to, but where we each come in Shark Tank style and pitch what we think the WWE restaurant of the time should have been. from Of this time period, from menu to decor <laughs> to theming, like whatever you want to do to do a Shark Tank type style pitch. And hey, maybe we'll have our listeners vote on them or something and pick the best one. <laughs> wow. Oh man, that's some real homework. Okay, I'm into it. <laughs> Because I'm upset. I mean, Aaron and I are look, we're looking up menus, and then also we're looking at menus, and in doing so, continuing to find fake menus. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole thing became like a. At this point, it's like, what even is real? Like, what's real? Like, history is written by the victors. You know what I mean? So it's like, who knows? So wait, should I there. should I do any should I do any research? Should I not even look for menus? Should I just like should I just think in my mind of what I would have imagined? That's it the to idea. Be? Yeah, I want us to give our fantasy of what it would be. Go with your heart, Eric. Just know I'm bringing in a diorama. Yeah, I'm going to have a PowerPoint. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wait. Okay, wait. So how does it... Is this just for for us to see these visual aids? (laughs) Yeah. We'll we'll figure that all out later. (laughs) I'm really into this idea. It kept me up last night. Okay, after I've moved and I can, like, actually, you know, work on an arts and crafts Talia's going to love that. Also, everyone, <laughs> everyone's got to do a PNL. Do a what? Right. Um, I'm offering you ten. I'm offering you ten uh, percent for five hundred thousand dollar investment. I need to, uh, you know, I've I've valued my company at a certain amount. PNL is profit and losses. Got it. Got it. Okay. So back at the arena, Jericho and China are arguing over who gets to wear the belts of the ring until Earl Hebner snatches it away and takes it away himself. That's when we get the don't try this at home video, like the, the most half-hearted, hey guys, maybe you shouldn't try wrestling moves on your friends on the playground. 
Yeah, uh, this was a the PSA was a real new thing. Was it? I I wondered if there was like a news item like that was tagged to this. Like, did some kids like die recently or injure themselves from uh, like because of that, and then that's why they were kind of getting ahead or getting on this? Well, I was I mean, certainly told that as a child. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, weekly, some kid in my high school would get injured from trying to do a WWE move. It's one of those things, Eric, I think, kind of like, you know, like, the choking game, or, like, those people that, like, when teens were punching people in the back of the head, where you're like, it's not that it never happens, but it certainly happens less than people talk about it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, In Australia, I think they call them kingmakers. Is that when... People, uh, like, have died from that. So What's I've that? heard. Yeah. <laughs> but now, that... according to uh, Euphoria, the kids are just doing Molly all the time. As they should be. Yeah. It's uh, you just go to a stranger from from behind and hug them. <laughs> Give them a massage. So the next match is the triple threat match to determine the undisputed intercontinental champion. Uh, if you were a little confused on the lead up to this, there was a double count out with China and Jericho, to which Stephanie proclaimed that they were both the Intercontinental Champion. This was about the only storyline that we didn't see in our last deep dives. Um, so what they would do was uh, when China was in a match, Trish Jericho would come and help her out, and vice versa, because if one of them lost the belts, then they both lost the belts. That's an interesting uh, wrinkle. Hardcore Holly's inclusion is a little bit suspect here, but I guess it was just kind of another way to um, overcome China's weakness in the ring. Well, they've also, you know, Jericho yeah. and China have also wrestled on two straight pay-per-views. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably more than trying because I think some anyone someone else could have carried a match if they had to. Uh, but here, I think it's also just because we've seen Jericho China a bunch. Okay. Yeah. Um, they this whole thing like uh, I I saw a lot of the uh, seams in China's uh, ring work in this match. Yeah, it just felt like they were being very very careful with China. Like you would see how they would how they like you would see how bumps went over between um, Hardcore and Jericho, and it looked regular. And then sometimes with like China, it would just be kind of like a very you know elaborated like slap or something i don't know it just it just didn't quite it wasn't it wasn't the same power that i think i've seen from her in other matches i think that's i think that's fair yeah and there was a, a you know jericho talks about this there's a it's apparently a pretty known story because i've seen it both in a lot of like recaps and whatever online and it was in jericho's book uh but there's a part in this match where jericho forgets what he's supposed to do uh, because, you know, most wrestlers like to call things on the fly as they go. Um, that plays into yeah. um, some matches later in this show that I'm very excited to talk about because I don't know if, if it's common knowledge and I thought it was such a cool thing. Uh, but China was not like that. With China's matches, everything was scripted. Every single move was scripted. And she couldn't be relied on to remember any of it. Oh, it sounds really shitty wait <laughs> wait so it was it was like she's like oh everything's gonna be scripted and i don't know the script correct because basically wow it was mostly it has to be scripted because we have to make sure it works so everything would be like yes so then we're gonna do this okay we're gonna do this no i don't like this do something different okay we'll do this okay and then but then it would be up to the other person to call the match 
as they go, but from this memory. Um, so there's a point in this, and I and I wa- I literally watched this match like three times, and I could not spot it. And sometimes in Chris Jericho's book, there's things that are wrong, and it makes me really angry because if I was writing a book, I would like go back and watch the tapes and make sure that I was getting it right. Uh, so like he might like sometimes in his books, like things are out of order, like of pay per views and when things happen in storyline, it's very frustrating for me uh, mm-hmm. as I'm trying to chronologically relive it. Uh, but uh, he talks here. There's a moment where Harker Holly is outside the ring and China and Jericho are inside the ring and uh, they freeze and he doesn't know what to do. And Holly yells bulldog or you dumbass. And that's what supposed, that is what allegedly happened. And I watched this match. I don't know. I don't know if they maybe edited that out. I can't uh-huh. imagine that's what happened. So I just, I couldn't find it though. Usually when I see things like that in stories and stuff online, I can find that point in the match and confirm be like, Oh yeah, there it is. Uh, but I could not hear uh, but allegedly that was like, I think that that's like common knowledge. It was in his book. It was, it's been repeated a million times all over the place, but I, I couldn't see it here though. I believe it. And I had heard in other places before about how heavily scripted China's matches were. That's pretty funny. But yeah, I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a good win by, by uh, Y2J, you know? Yeah. The right person uh, went over for sure. And the one who can best kind of carry on what's going on with the intercontinental title. And the most, and he's the most over. I mean, the crowd is fully, even though he's a heel, I think he's, things are turning here and he's getting, you know, the crowd, he's, he's over. But definitely not my favorite match on this card. No, I mean, that's not fair to, that's not fair to this match because this card is, that has somebody that's like slapped so hard. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. So then we go backstage where The Rock is being interviewed by Michael Cole and man, The Rock is. <laughs> the Rock's Crash Holly and Headbanger Mosh line had me legitimately LOL. Same. That that was very funny. I, I also wrote LOL. That's funny. Um, what I thought was, uh, I don't know, the rest of the promo I thought was like, uh, I think he drank a whole big glass of suck juice because I thought it was kind of. Um, the, the the mosh and crush line was probably the best it, it hit. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a, a, a cool glass of shut up juice. It's 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 a it goes in the the canon of they all can't be winners. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, the rock yeah. the rock gets by saying some insane things that happen to pick up the SmackDown Hotel, Jabroni, Candy Ass, Rudy Poo, like all like all this ridiculous stuff that people are like, yes, I could, cannot buy t shirts fast enough. And this one fucking hits like what a dud it drops out and yeah. it's like womp womp like when when you can't dunk on michael cole then you're <laughs> it's get out of here <laughs> a nice tall glass of shut up juice it yeah it's just so whack go it fix the it thing. that was the worst part too when i tried to double down on it i was like no no let it die <laughs> <laughs> at that point though i was just mesmerized by that jersey that he was wearing and on ebay trying to see if i could score myself one <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's uh, Dave Colon's bit. Ah. Next up, New Age Outlaws versus the Acolytes, and uh, we'll probably be talking about that for about as long as the match was. Is there any reason why this match was so bad and so short? Probably to make more time for the next match, which and I would say, yeah. I would say, yes, please. Thank you. Um, okay. Please, sir. May I have some more and also apply that same standard to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. 
I, yeah, I was actually happy that New Age Outlaws versus Acolytes was as short as it was. I was like, this does not look like I wrote this might suck. And I was very happy that I was like, okay, good. We're out of this. I liked uh, Bradshaw pulling Road Road Dog down by his stupid, stupid hair. Yeah. <laughs> I will never, I will, you know, I will never like that hair. Uh, never plan to. I will say, I'm so that was a, a good move. I'm very glad to have never been caught on camera performing along to the New Age Outlaws routine, because <laughs> they'd spent a lot of time on folks who have a lot of time to be identified throughout their opening this time. And I was like, man, yes. these dudes doing the New Age Outlaws routine look like a bunch of road dogs. You know what I mean? Like it was just real. Yes. I was like, I'm embarrassed for you. I know, I know, Bobby, they were making cuts between different people, but it was just the same person every single time. <laughs> that was like, it's you know what it reminded me of? Oh, sorry. What were you saying? Going to a, an American Eagle in 1999. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> it reminded me of like the seventh inning stretch at a Yankee game. Like it was just like, it's just everybody singing. <laughs> sorry. Uh, it reminded me of, uh, of, uh, Murray Hill uh, karaoke when Bon Jovi comes on. Yup, yep that that <laughs> reference I get, and that is like like perfect. like everybody just hit the oh we're halfway there and like everyone's doing it with everyone suddenly turns their hat backwards and they've all got like uh, hockey jerseys or like uh, polos on. God, what would you give to be singing "Living at a Prayer" at Montero's right now? Uh don't 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 force me. Nah. To, uh, that shit hit me earlier this week. I just want to just want nothing more than to be at a, a crowded townie bar singing karaoke. Yeah, I would sing even the songs that I fucking hate. You're right. All right, let's go to it now. Even the package is amazing. Except one thing I gotta say about the package. They say the phony mankind and phony is in scare quotes. Wouldn't that mean that he's the real mankind? <laughs> right. They're, they're not making any judgments about who is mankind <laughs> and who is not mankind. Oh, this is the phony mankind. Right. Allegedly. So that would be mankind. Wow. It'd be, I can't wait for them to introduce the multiverse. And this is like, oh, this is just a different mankind. <laughs> you saw WandaVision, right? I mean, this is... Yeah. <laughs> This is uh this is Jay Garrick mankind and then we have Mick Foley mankind. Oh, don't wait <laughs> don't get me started on the mankind clone saga. <laughs> this match is so awesome. I it's... wish I wish that that uh Cactus Jack was mic'd up from the start. I want to know every single word that he said to Triple H before this gets started. Because every moment that followed was note perfect. Um, so good. I, I have I have a, a big I have like a big uh, trivia note about the finish, but I don't think we're there yet. But wow, I mean, I don't like typically matches like this. I don't like I hate thumbtacks. Vince McMahon famously hates the thumbtack spots. Um, I hate the thumbtack spot. Um, I don't like. I don't like the blood. I really don't like, I, I don't, it, it's especially when it's like this, when it's too much, it's like, it's uncomfortable. I don't like it. I think, you know, I think as humans, we have a visceral reaction to it. I and mean, that's what they're going after. I don't like that. You know me, I don't like horror movies. This is, the, this is the same kind of effect in some ways. Um, like I just like, don't like that suffering, but mm-hmm. um, 
the story they told here and the rooting that you did and both guys looked fucking amazing. I mean, like this was, I mean, talk about a star making for triple H. Like this is, this is the match that really solidified him as a main eventer. Yes. He's been the champ Mm -hmm. this time, but the whole time he's faced a lot of skepticism, a lot of pushback from people um, like in the, you know, the dirt sheets and the fans and whatever, like, they're so used to seeing Triple H be a mid-card guy, an upper mid-card guy. Is he really going to be able to be the face of the company? Um, and then this match happens, and he worked his ass off, and he proved everybody like what he's capable of, that he had this kind of match with Mick Foley, who's the master of this kind of match. And then for Mick Foley to give such a gutsy and generous performance on his own, um, also fant- just fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah, um, you know, you think about all of the matches that uh, Triple H had before, and there was always, there was always some kind of like stupid shenanigans. It was always, you know, like I mean, look, I know that I know that this is all scripted, but they always scripted it for you know Triple H to, they always you know scripted it for for Triple H to win by like you know some bullshit. And this is one of those, you know, this is the only match I think I've seen where he truly just one and like they had him win in the most brutal brutal way uh and you know i think that's like it kind of said a lot you know obviously they both went hard and it was a match that like i mean i clocked it this match started when there was there was just this in the and the rumble left and it was an hour and 40 minutes left of of the show like it was an insane amount of time dedicated and they they just fucking went for it. It was great. And it's riveting. And as someone who I'm not going to say I like the thumbtacks, I'm not going to say I like the blood. I get a visceral like reaction from looking at those kind of things so much so that even I appreciate the I quit match from the year before, despite all of the everything that happened to Mick Foley through that. Watching Triple H go through this war, watching him go through this punishment with, again, the master of of all of this. I think, yeah, I totally agree, Bobby. This solidified Triple H and made Triple H, who has never really been one of my top guys, made me really respect the hell out of him a lot more than I have in a long time in revisiting this. So do you guys want to hear something about the finish? Yes. Yeah, please. Okay, I love this. So for those of you listening at home, the the end of the match, uh, Triple H first hits a, hits a, a pedigree in the ring. The pedigree, they'd already gone through all the big spots, the tables, the tacks, the, 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 the wood pallets, all that shit. The handcuffs. Oh my God, the handcuffs. Mm. Oh, before we get to the end, when he's handcuffed and he drop toe holds him onto the steel steps yes. wearing the handcuffs? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, yes. I, I just got goosebumps thinking about it. Anyway. That the reason the reason why that was such a good spot is because I all like it there was history. There was actual storytelling in this match because we already knew what happened a year ago, right? Yep. Where mm-hmm. where uh, Mick got handcuffed and then he was just beat mercilessly and I really did not enjoy that match and I hated I hated watching it and I literally wrote down when he got handcuffed I wrote down I I hate when Mick gets handcuffed it's not fun for me I don't enjoy it but then to see him fucking you know be able to 
uh, dominate in the match after he got handcuffed is a really good reversal of, you know, like it turns him from being, you know, like he overcomes that challenge and it was, you know, it was worth it. I mean, the way he got out of it, where it was just like, oh, some cop ran in and uncuffed <laughs> him, made no sense. Yeah, that was incredible. That, that's <laughs> that. You're right. That is like the one thing in the match that is like, what? Uh, but I honestly don't even care. I was like, okay, great, just keep it moving. No, no. But like, look, do whatever you need to do. Have God come down and take him out of those cuffs, because you know, really, what they should have had him do was find a way out of the cuffs. You know what I mean? Where he breaks the cuffs or he does something that would have been cool as fuck. Yeah, it's a, uh, but, I, but I'm, I'm fine. okay with it. Officer Deuce, Officer Deuce's Machina. Um, yeah, yeah. That but... that one that one cop is not a bastard. <laughs> yeah, the only right. one. De- Deus ex copina. But then um, the end. So he hits the pedigree. Now that pedigree, the first pedigree, I should say, was supposed to be the finish of the match. And everyone there, including the ref, Triple H, Stephanie, were expecting a three count. However, Cactus Jack, in that moment, I'm going to cry, called an audible and was like, no, do it again on the tax. Because he, like, from the rush of the crowd and, like, in that moment, called an audible. So those the reactions you're seeing of Triple H and Stephanie. Like, they literally are like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Are you, like, going to business for yourself? Like, what is this? Like, why are you all of a sudden that this is the end of the match? He called it and then was like, no, do it again. And it made Cactus look amazing. And it made Triple H look even more, mm-hmm. like, vile. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, that's just, inc- that's incredible. That's so cool. I mean, the, the... The pedigree in the thumbtacks literally made me wince. It was, it was, I mean, you see all of the thumbtacks in, in, uh, Triple H's, like the sole of his, of his boot. You see them in his, uh, in his, like, um, knee pads. And, like, you're like, oh, well, Triple H did okay. And then you see them, like, in, uh, Mick Foley's face. Mm-hmm. Fuck, man. Fuck, fuck, fuck. And then the attack after the match, Cactus Jack still looks like the strong badass that he is, and they're able to run this back again. What question in terms of, uh, I guess, in-world logic? It seems like every time Mick Foley uses thumbtacks, it it comes back to haunt him. <laughs> like maybe it's time to just hang up the thumbtacks. You know, like it doesn't work as a uh, an offensive strategy. You're right. Shut up. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, this is an all-timer match. Uh, is this? I mean, I got, I was wondering, is this how Foley retires? It seemed like this was this was kind of like the ultimate like going out on your back type of thing. I guess you'll have to stay tuned and find out. <laughs> no. Um, also, this is around the time when I was wondering why we didn't see Vladimir in the crowd. Hmm. This seemed like this would have been his shit. Maybe he's like a, he, he was more of a uh, HBK kind of guy. And You know what I wonder? Once it got into this new thing. I wonder if the hard camera was different. 
You know what I mean? Because MSG is a weird venue oh. and, and the hard camera is different. And I think it threw some other wrestlers off too. And we could talk uh-huh. about it in the, the rumble. There was a couple spots that are usually done to the hard camera and they notably weren't. And I was like, do they think the hard camera's over there? Cause it ain't, <laughs> you know, but, it, but I did get the sense that they might've thought the hard camera was over there. I did. Interesting. I did clock a uh, faith. No more guy. Early yes, on, he was there, but no, I didn't see Vladimir either. So back to the site-based entertainment complex. <laughs> Linda McMahon promises that things will be handled the McMahon way going forward. Linda McMahon, the most charismatic and compelling, <laughs> captivating and watchable of the McMahons, if you ask me. <laughs> Isn't it weird that, like, Stephanie and Shane don't really look like either of their parents? Are you kidding me? Stephanie McMahon looks exactly like her parents. Like, they put them in a in a, in a fly machine. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I don't know. I, I don't think anybody looks like Linda. Uh, I see it. I just think it's so I see it funny. more with Shane. See, see more uh, yeah. Linda and Shane. I agree. I see I see uh, Linda and Shane and Vince and Stephanie. Uh, certainly Vince's voice in Stephanie. But um, I think it's really funny that I can just imagine like, the thought process. Like, all right, Vince, man, uh, he's P.T. Barnum, greatest showman, man. He can, he can do anything. He's, he was the champ. He was the number one heel for so long. We brought Shane in the Meet Posse. Man, Shane, they killed it. They were great. He's jumping off of things, doing elbow drops. He's great, man. They're bringing Stephanie. Oh, my God. Stephanie's even is the best one yet. Oh, my God. All right. Well, clearly, we got to have something with Linda. And they bring Linda out there, and it's like, wah, wah. <laughs> like, they were just <laughs> knocking out of the park, like, one after the other. Like, turns out the McMahons are not only super powerful, but they're actually, like, they're naturally gifted genetically, like, for, like engineered for this business <laughs> like Linda comes in and this man she's wow such, she's such a charisma suck that she couldn't even get elected to a political position in Connecticut she makes Jonathan Coachman she... look like the rock <laughs> she was she was probably actually they didn't mean to have her she was just in the back yelling at the kitchen staff for not putting in the right amount of blueberries in the muffins <laughs> how many blueberries you got in your muffin no the exact amount. I want the exact amount in every muffin. Anyone else think it was really weird after this that they showed a clip from the 95 Royal Rumble rather than, I don't know, a package of all the Royal Rumbles? Yep. Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, remember HBK, who's not here anymore? <laughs> okay. <laughs> On to the future. All right. So in at number one, D'Lo Brown. In at number two, Grandmaster Sexay. Very strange to me that I, I feel like in, in um, modern days, we usually know who's going to start out the Royal Rumble, right? Sometimes. Not always, This though. was a very, uh, okay. This is a very, like, uh, very light start for the Rumble. I felt like the Rumble was just kind of <laughs> like... Dipping their dipping its toe in the water there. It's, it's interesting because this rumble, there's a few. Uh, I guess I don't know if I want to talk about like data and stats or whatever at the very end, or if it might make sense to to kind of like lay out the the stuff here. I mean, obviously the roster has some of the biggest stars ever right now, but it also has a lot of other people. Um, this this rumble this, this rumble I think is is the best of times and the worst of times. Correct. And I I think I want to start talking about this by talking about the the obvious early best of times, which is when Rikishi comes in. Oh yes. yes. Well, wait, Aaron, can you? I mean, like I have the context, but maybe you can set up the setup for 
Kai and Ty, Mean Street, uh, Midian, Thrasher, Mark Henry not being in the Rumble? Um, I, I can't totally, Bobby, because okay. I think a lot of that happened on Heat, which is no yeah. longer, which isn't on the uh, the WWE Network at this point. I mean, suffice to say, they were supposed to be in the Rumble, or then right before the Rumble, or within the week leading up to, or whatever, they were like, you know what, you're no longer in the Rumble. And instead they put in uh, the people that were already competing earlier in the night. <laughs> Wow. And that's why that's Mitri Pasi really and Kai are so mad because they're like, hey, wait a minute, we were supposed to be in this rumble. I mean, it is a very silly thing, but honestly, I kind of liked it. Mm-hmm. But yes, but that's sort of like, that's at it. And I think that there's a lot of, boy, a lot of riffraff. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot, a lot. You know, it's funny because like back when everybody went on strike for uh, Mick Foley to get reinstated, we were like, man, look at this roster. This roster is the best. And then as the rumble was going on, I was like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> like, <laughs> who are some of these schmucks? Um, I mean, look, okay, so first five, we have D'Lo, Grandmaster Sexay, Mosh, uh, Kai and Ty runs out, Christian, who's good, but they really don't use Christian at all in this, and then Rikishi, who is dope. Yeah, Rikishi like, is amazing. The best part. Um... But it was a very quiet five, uh, except for Rikishi. Well, and and the note that I have after Christian comes out, um, the weakness I think. No, let me let me rephrase that. In this rumble, we can now see the the one weakness of all of these stories going through the McMahon Helmsley era. In that there aren't a lot of side stories and side rivalries that we've latched onto through this time mm. that is even though you're not watching the entirety of raw beforehand still the announcers are really good at putting over the heat that exists between people and so when all of these stories are going through triple h and stephanie there's not a lot for these guys to do there's not a lot to build in the royal rumble where the Royal Rumble at its best, is, is, and I think was done to a T this year, is servicing all of these side stories and building new ones as it comes. Well, I think last year, I mean, I thought last year's Men's Royal Rumble with uh, Brock was amazing. Oh, with Brock, well, that was that was like three different, different yeah. um, would it be macros? Or three different stories within the larger story of the Rumble. Yeah. There was almost three different Rumbles last year, and it was great. And so then, as soon as I make that note, Rikishi comes out and it starts taking out people. I'm like, okay, now we've got a story. And then Scotty yes. Two Hottie comes out and they're dancing and it's super fun. And then their elimination is like, sorry guys, this is the Rumble. This is the way it is. Um, I I will watch Rikishi and and Too Cool dance every single time. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's really my favorite fun. boy band. <laughs> Rikishi accomplished something that I did not think was possible. I was excited when Viscera came out. I was excited <laughs> to see these two big dudes fucking like go at it. And when he eliminated Viscera, I was fuck yeah. Yeah, I mean, this was Man, if I thought one through five was rough, six through ten was a real garbage slate. It was like it was it was like Rochester up there. We had Sky Too Hottie, good good enough for what for for how it panned out. 
Steve Blackman, Blah. Viscera, which I, I get it, but I get it, Aaron. But it, I, but know, again, I get, I get, I I like I'm with you, Eric. But but also, when this point, all these guys exist just to feed the beast that is Rikishi. Right now, we are all focused, all in focused on Rikishi and what he's doing. So it doesn't matter who's in there, as long as he's taking them out, he's dispatching them, and then. You want to say who's next? We, yeah, we, fucking we, big. Ugh, what were we going to say? Hold on, just on Scotty Too Hottie. For some reason in my mind, him and Zack Ryder are the same person. And so, like, I just, <laughs> well, so when I see Zack Ryder, I'm like, oh my God, he's been in the WWE so long. I mean, he started in the 90s. He was with uh, Brian Christopher and Ducool. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's not. And when I think of Scott Taylor, I'm like, yeah, and then he's been around, then he's come back, and now he's. And I'm like, whoa, these are two completely different people. <laughs> but in my mind, now they are <laughs> the same person. Scotty Tuhati's non-compete is almost up. We'll be seeing him in AEW. Yeah, exactly. As uh, Scott the Hot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, number nine is Big Boss Man. Ugh, Ugh. You can never get away from him. I did like Viscera's kind of like look at him. was like, I don't know, man. You try it out. <laughs> uh, and, and, of course, he, ha- he stays around for a while. Uh-huh. Uh, and then uh, Test... Which is test over with the crowd, I guess. Yeah, sort I mean, of, he still. got a huge pop, and he's wearing the Royal Rumble T-shirt. You do not wear always, the shirt of the band you're going to see. He's always you do not the guy wear who does that. the shirt of the band that you are in. This is the guy who wears the shirt of the tattoo he has. <laughs> Visible <laughs> at the same time, he's wearing the shirt. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. Uh... It's always as if like Test like got a really bad stain on whatever he did wear to like to wrestle in, and they were like, "Well, we have a few extras if you want to like change your shirt." And he's like, "Yeah, man, it'll be fine. <laughs> this is my ring gear now." And then from eleven through twenty four, every few person people that comes out, my note underneath is, "Can we please get a cleaner? Can we please get someone out here yes. to clean house?" Make some sense of this because when the Royal Rumble is just a bunch of guys hitting each other in the corner, holding on desperately to the rope, that's not the Royal Rumble that I love. And you boys know me. I love me a Royal Rumble. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, number 11 is Bulldog, which we've covered extensively how we feel about the Bulldog. Well, I will give you some good Uh, news. This is the last time we see him on pay-per-view in the States. Hey, That's a wrap. That's a wrap on Bull. Uh, we uh, Number 12, we get Gangrel, who walks out like he's a vampire at Club Med. <laughs> like, he, he looks like he's about to greet you poolside and go, what would you like to drink? <laughs> he spits out the blood, and then he puts his cool guy shades in the goblet. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, like, he, puts his, he puts his shades on the back of his neck. <laughs> he uh, he gets some some suntan lotion out. He puts it on. He's charging everything to his room number. <laughs> <laughs> room six six six, please. <laughs> Can I get another Bloody Mary? No, uh, no, I I'll know what my limit is. Uh, uh, then we get. Let's see. We get Edge at thirteen. Who you know? Edge. He's great. Doesn't really doesn't really do that much in this. Nope. But okay. 
Uh, Bob Backlund, who was, I guess, a, an old wrestler and a politician now. So Bob Backlund was a champ in the 70s and 80s. He's a lunatic, like a real life lunatic. Um, <laughs> and he and he ran for I forget what he was running for, but it was essentially like the rent was too damn much party kind of thing. Uh, he's nuts. Jericho writes in his book about being in Japan with him. He would wear like a three piece suit all the time. Like he would wear it in the it doesn't, like just getting on the tour bus in like the heat of summer. Like he's a lunatic. He had like a talking dictionary with him all the time. He wouldn't sign autographs for people, for kids, unless they would name every U.S. president in chronological order. And one time a teenager, one time a teenager did, and he signed two autographs for him. He's an actual nutcase, like an actual circus carny guy. You know what? I like that he's just like, you know, nobody's ever been able to do this. Have, have a few. What else can I give this kid? I haven't seen Bob, a lot of Bob Backlund in like my wrestling. I had to like learn about all of it, you know, in history and, and, and osmosis. But something tells me, Eric, that I think you would really like Bob Backlund. Like from what I know, just like, <laughs> I just think you would really like it because it's like a very strange character. It's just a very strange character. It's a very, very strange character. We saw. I love it. I love it. We saw a little bit of Bob Backlund um, in 2016. He with was with, uh, with Darren Young, and he was doing "Make Darren Young Great Again" back in in like May of 2016, when we thought that that was going to be a big joke that blows over really quickly. Ugh. Yikes! Yeah. Sorry to bring uh, it down. Uh, Y2J's yeah, after no, him. Fine. Yeah, we got Jericho. Uh, and then let's see, we got uh, Crash Holly, who you know does he does fine. I mean, I feel like he kind of um, if, if this were a um, uh, like a drag race rusical challenge, he he kind of fades into the background a little bit. He is. I don't know if his safe his energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Was um, was Debbie Harry there? I heard that, but I did they not see us. it. But I would, I don't. Be- you would think they would get a you shot would, of yeah. them. I mean, when Cindy Margolis is there, they fucking do a whole. Th- <laughs> they roll out the red carpet. I mean, Debbie Harry's a legend. I mean, Cindy Margolis. They're gonna. Ivory's getting her to do poses. But has but has Debbie Harry ever bet on Shasta McNasty? Once. Uh, <laughs> but did, did Debbie did Deborah Harry like not Deb Deborah did Debbie Harry not know where the hard cam was like <laughs> is she into wrestling I would I be love surprised. that I would feel like that would like that wouldn't surprise me oh she's so fucking cool I love actually I was just talk- she wrestled I was just talking about oh, Debbie sorry, Harry I was just talking about Debbie Harry the other day someone was asking me about who are people um like cool uh influential iconic women in music that are cool. So like mm-hmm. we was like the whole conversation of like it started with like is Robin relevant still and it's like and I was uh, firmly in the yes camp yes one hundred percent yeah yeah but like you know Patty Smith it, Debra, uh, Debbie Harry Patty Smith Grace Jones uh, this, I actually said Patty Smith as well Patty Smith Grace Jones Debbie Harry like I don't think Cindy Lauper qualifies because like I think she's almost she's not cool enough or like cutting edge enough still or constantly at the forefront like almost went too mainstream but you also have to be a little mainstream to have the impact so this was like the whole conversation we were having about like women in music uh, trying to like identify like what is the the, the criteria here for these like game changers or whatever. Anyway, so I was like, I Debbie will, Harry on the I will say, by the way, I will say, by the way, Debbie Harry McFoley heart of glass match would be dope. <laughs> and speaking of influential women, China's up next, but before China can get in there, 
Edge just starts slapping Crash, Crash Holly on the ass? Uh, also, oh, yes. Also, is there, there's a point when China comes out where I have a, a note that says, Tess looks like he's going to make Gangrel suck him off. Like, he, Tess has Gangrel in the corner, and he just shoves his shoulders down, at, like, you know, so that he's, like, basically kneeling in front of Tess, and then mercifully the, the cameras uh, moved away. But I was like, this is a weird uh, suggestive thing. It's like the end of Requiem for a Dream over there. <laughs> yes. Wait, I will say, because we will get DMs about it, um, Debbie Harry apparently has, like, a long, illustrious relationship with wrestling that, like, dates back a very long time. I think back that is to so cool. um, back to Andy Kaufman, which would make sense. Uh, that's how she would get looped into this world. Did he wrestle her? Uh, I, I see pictures of that, but I'm not sure if they're, uh, you know, staged or not. But there's lots of pictures of her with like Andre the Giant, other wrestlers and throughout the years. So I do think, yeah, okay. she did. Uh, Debbie Harry wrestled Andy Kaufman in 1983. All Fucking right. cool as hell. I'm saying it now. My post-COVID goal is to meet Debbie Harry. What? What do you mean? Like you're gonna after after COVID's gone? After COVID's she's all just done, gonna be out there for you. There's gonna be a time where I'm gonna meet her. That's all I do I'm know where she lives. <laughs> really? The city? Yeah, yeah. Oh. She actually lives like across a lake from my dad's cousin. Oddly oh, enough. Yeah, I don't know. All I've, right. I've, well, I've, I've never met her, but I've seen she her. Was the, uh, she was the um, what do you call the it? Queen the queen at the, of the, at the, the mermaid, mermaid parade, parade one year. Yes, yeah. yes, she was. I've seen and I've seen Blondie a lot over the years. Still, I saw, and like, them, at the, I saw them at the HF Festival. <laughs> did uh, did did they did Dagwood make that big sandwich or no? <laughs> Next up, we had Farouk. But before Farouk can get in there, long the posse attacks him, and Bossman eliminates him. Um, yeah, what a what a poor use of Farouk. Agreed, except the interaction between the Acolytes and the Posse is going to lead to something very good, like, a week after this. Mm, Something very good is coming for the Acolytes, and it comes when their interaction from the Posse, and it it takes place on the January 31st episode of Raw. The Acolytes start coming out in khakis. (laughs) The Cacolytes? The Cacolytes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's a t-shirt that's a hell on a cell phone merchandise <laughs> waiting to happen and they have symbols what are the symbols that are gonna be on their chest and they've got to be like a khaki related symbols so i think it's gonna be like a golf ball um i was gonna say what are, what's the old navy logo <laughs> is it just old navy <laughs> i also feel like that like a really nice pen like a pen you'd get as a gift you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Isn't JBL basically the cacolite? Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's great. Huh. We'll, uh, we'll revisit this a few years down the line. Uh, next up is Road Dog. No idea what they were chanting at this point. I was in Eric territory. They they definitely, I mean, this is, this I actually really enjoyed all of MSG doing the sing-along like, cause they, you know, like they were just doing it even though like Road Dog was just entering the match, but they just did the whole, oh, you didn't know. It was really fun. Then Al Snow, Val Venus. 
I gotta say, I don't, I don't know if I like Al, uh, evil Al Snow right now. I think I want crazy Al Snow back, crazy lovable Al Snow. Agreed. Yeah, you gotta, yeah, you gotta rest the game though. Sure. Although I don't know if he ever gets back to the level that we loved him at before. That's a shame. Val Venus, uh, he looks less blonde these days. He looks yeah. a lot. His hair got darker. Things are picking up in the Rumble at this point. I feel like when there was a moment I looked it up and I was like, wow. Because it was just like Edge, Boss Man, Test, Crash, Gangrel, and Bulldog. And I was like, woof. Edge is slumming it right now, man. Yikes. Uh, but I think at this point is when things are like, okay, we got we got a few people in here who can at least keep me awake. But they weren't. Well, it's so funny because like Prince Albert comes in like very late. And like I know you say that he... He's, he's responsible for good stuff later, but I don't think he's currently responsible for good no, stuff. No, he is not. At this point. No, he and is not. And I was pissed off when, when Albert came in there, too, because I thought, okay, um, at least he and Bossman have some heat right now, and they can, again, bring that story into the Rumble. And like it was like they were standing on opposite ends the entire time from each other. Agreed. Finishing each other's sandwiches. <laughs> But man, all that talk of like The Rock saying like a bunch of jabronis, it's like, this really is a ring full of jabronis. Like this is, I was like, yeah, sorry, Rock nailed it. That's not even a read. That's just like a fact. I'm like, this is a ring full of jabronis. Uh, Yeah, that was a dirt sheet that he was actually reading off of. I don't know if I'm willing to to, to say they're not 100% Everyone, jabronis, but it is yes. full of jabronis. Like it is like in terms of but, volume, there's a yes, there's a yes. fullness of jabroni in there. <laughs> Everyone, also, also, ev- let's be honest. What were you gonna say? Everyone. Sorry. In this time period, like every one of we've talked about this before, every one of these guys have their place, and so when I think jabroni, I think more like a Braun Strowman. When uh, when they don't know what to do with Braun Strowman. Oh, see, I don't think Braun Strowman's a jabroni. He's definitely He's, heading. He he definitely flirts with jabroni. He he dips into the jabron zone from time to time. <laughs> uh, I I will absolutely agree with you on that. But I think some of these. Well, I mean, like I think Gangrel's a jabroni. I think uh, yes. Bulldog at this point is a jabroni. Boss Bulldog's a jabroni. a jabroni. Yes, yes. Test Full is stop. a jabroni. I mean, like that's a lot. I don't think Edge but is Tess, a jabroni. But Tess isn't a jabroni right now because he's over as hell. Tess is still a jabroni. I think. Okay. I do think. I mean, again, his gim- his his whole story has been getting dumped by Stephanie McMahon and breaking <laughs> his nose repeatedly. It's jabroni. It's it's jabroni for you, jabroni sir. adjacent, Andrew. <laughs> The, well, the, the problem with Test is like, uh, or not the problem. The reason Test is working right now is he ran off the cliff and he hasn't looked down yet. Like mm. once he figures out that yeah. that there is no more cliff under him, it's over for that motherfucker. Yep. Uh, yeah, the, right, um, the writing's on the wall here. Also, do you guys realize that Test is the Iron Man of this Rumble? Test is the, has the longest amount of time in the Rumble, but it's not a long. Um, it's the first Rumble since 1989 where nobody goes over 30 minutes. Test lasts wow. 26, and he's the 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 longest one in there. That sucks, man. Um, also, I don't know. I don't like the way that they that they handled Edge and Christian. I feel like you've got Edge and Christian, th- these you know gangbuster uh, wrestlers, and they got jabroniized in this Rumble, They're- right? Like. I think it's hard for Nothing us. Nothing happens with that. I think it's hard for us to not see them as single stars because they are literally Hall of Famers. 
<laughs> for like their singles careers. Uh, no, but I like, mean, also yeah. they just—they literally are just getting. They just had you know some of their hottest matches. They are, you know, you said their star was rising with the Hardys. Yeah, but I mean, I, the Hardys aren't even in this match. But so I, exactly, I, I think they have. That's why I think they're still their tag guys. You know, they're still kind of. Mm, I probably okay. seen as tag guys. I would think more so. They try to push Edge as a singles person, and it wasn't working in the beginning. Granted, it was. There's a lot of things not great with it. But anyway, I, I, I think perhaps our our um, hindsight, modern day glasses are coloring this. Maybe, yeah. But wait, so Eric, is is your point more that they should be doing more together? Uh, my point was that uh, Edge and Christian, like, I guess, I don't know if it's a more modern thing that the Royal Rumble, would, like, you know, in in later years has a lot more mini stories going on. And maybe, you know, they're still working those kinks out in, in these earlier years. Um, but, you know, like, Rikishi had an amazing moment, right? Mm-hmm. Rikishi like had that the 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 Rikishi sequence is is like modern Royal Rumble for me where you've got that like really fun cool ass thing that happens and then you know then Rikishi gets knocked out no one is expecting him to necessarily win the whole thing but it's a great little storyline right and then you have you know and you have Christian and Edge who are you know similar similarly over not at maybe and i know rikishi is a little bit more supernova right now but like people you know they had a great match just a couple months ago and you know and you're you know that they're capable of great stuff so why not have them do a sequence that's fun 100 percent. they've been and they've been doing great stuff all along and i think that that's that's a valid complaint and and goes along with what i was saying i've been saying all along about this particular rumble which i enjoy like i don't want to come out of this say, yes. Yes, saying same. that i did not enjoy watching this rumble but this that would have been a perfect opportunity for the two of them to gang up, do some offense together. One of them gets eliminated, and then, yes. but they at least made an, an impact on your memory of this rumble. When I think back to this rumble, I'm going to be thinking about Rikishi. I'm going to be thinking probably about Kai and Tai and the Posse, and I'm going to be thinking about The Rock and Big Show. That's about it. Yes, yeah. I will say uh, two. And I started saying that sentence and I was forgotten. I was like, maybe it'll come back to me as I finish the sentence. Nope, it didn't. <laughs> All right. Oh, you that's what say. it was. You know what drove me crazy about this rumble that really, I think that, that honestly took something away for it from me. Actually two things, but one's at the end. We'll get there. The other is they didn't do a good job of telling us what number we were at. So they would, the mm, countdown yes. would kick up, but then nobody, there was no like, um, okay, 21, 19. And then for a while I was like, where are we? Are we at, are we at the end? Are we at the beginning? Are we in the middle? And I think without that, I think that also kind of like kept me from being able to like, um, follow the arc of the run. I numbered my notes. So I, I cheated a little bit. Well, I had to figure out That's which number cheating. was going to be good work. I had to figure out which number was going to be mine so that, uh, I could win the $5 from the two of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I had number 24 by the way guys you guys got to venmo me. <laughs> uh I you know I uh I really thought that that the godfather coming out at 29 was really in for a a, a pretty easy pass. Are we at the godfather yet? Because No, we're at we're okay. at 23 no. hardcore holly and then at 24 the rock comes out and in big caps I just wrote thank you. Oh thank god exactly. 
because now we know well, at least... we're, that we're in kind of the end game of this. Some of the the bigger stars are coming out. Also, that way we could we could stop Lawler from saying, "Oh, it's the Rock. I know it's going to be the Rock. I know the next one's going to be the Rock." For like five guys. The weirdest one was when he starts like kind of singing the song, and he goes, "The Rock says the Rock got to be the Rock." <laughs> <laughs> Then we got uh, Mr. Ass, who again got a big pop that I was not expecting. So and weird. then the newest addition to All Elite Wrestling, The Big Show, comes out at 26. Uh... Takes out Tess, takes out Gangrel, and then Gorilla presses Hardcore Holly and then just throws him to the middle of the ring. Which is every, even might... Lawler was like, <laughs> why did you just throw them out? And I wrote my notes, good question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We got Bradshaw 27 with a posse attack again. We've got Kane at 28, but they didn't use the flash pots that were clearly uh, taped to the ring posts when, during his entrance. Uh, Mick called an audible, and there was like, <laughs> no flash. The Godfather at 29 and X-Pac at 30. Our so, final four. Oh, wait, no. do we want to check in on the Godfather's hose? How how are we doing with our New York hose? <laughs> this time because i would i would uh describe them as disoriented (laughs) yes yes one of one of the one of the ones like maybe the number two or number three looked like she needed an adult like Like, (laughs) she was just kind of looking around like they like they like what they do with animals to keep them docile when they take them out to show them to like audiences all well, the I... hoes always have the same energy as that episode of The Simpsons where Mr. Burns does all the procedures and Homer thinks he's an alien. Like, <laughs> that's what the hoes are like. Sort of, they're all glowing and kind of fuzzy and just kind of like gliding gently to the ring slowly, very I wish slowly. You peace. Yeah. <laughs> they wave. They're excited to be here. They don't know where here is. You know, I don't like, they're all like very disoriented, I feel. I'm sure Godfather hotboxed him into the dressing room. That's what I was I was going to say that exact same thing. If anything I've learned from interviews with the Godfathers, he is stoned all the time. And that, do you know, actually, one of did I say this already? One of the bartenders at Finn's hung out with the Godfather once, and I'm infinitely jealous of that. No, I did not know that. That's, that's, I'm jealous of that now as well. Shout out to Cisco if you're listening. So our final four. Oh, the thong song. <laughs> yes. That's no, that's sis quo. Oh, sis status quo. Final four. We've got Rock. We've got Big Show. We've got Kane. We've got X Pac, and we have stories. Thank you. Finally, things that have been building for a while. Kane slams the Big Show. X Pac does a spinning heel kick to Kane. There's a Bronco Buster to the Big Show. There's a People's Elbow. There's a Choke Slam. Rock throws X-Pac the fuck out of the ring, which looked really good. That was Threw a, great, him. a then, great elimination. Except it wasn't yeah, an elimination. Then, of course, X, yeah, oh. X-Pac rolls back in. I, I did. I said, awesome elimination. Then I was like, never mind. Mm-hmm. He's back. But that, what I appreciated about that, well, I don't like that kind of chicanery in my rumble. Um, I did like that. I was like, oh, I definitely bought the refs were actually distracted enough to miss mm-hmm. this like it was yes. the very opposite of the ring it wasn't like now when they have like a hundred refs out at the royal rumble like one on each side and one's just like kind of looking away at a key moment and you're <laughs> like you have one job bro stare at that spot and he's like what's that over there like well, it was good to have this, a real this ref was this ref was being held by security before he could go to the bathroom he had to like 
So then the Big Show has The Rock on his shoulders, runs to throw him out of the ring. The Rock grabs the ropes. The Big Show goes over. The Rock is the the winner of the 2000 Royal Rumble. Which is very similar to the ending of what? The 1995 Royal Rumble, I believe. Oh, that's why they showed that. Yes. Got it. Cool. Um, <laughs> like that's a it's a cool bit of trivia, but also it's like we're so we're gonna show you the ending before the ending? Yeah. Here's here's the 1995 Rumble. No reason. Why are you asking? <laughs> this will be important later, maybe. <laughs> we just thought it would be cool to show it now. No reason. <laughs> um I have so okay, I have a little bit of an issue. I mean, I like the ending. I have a little bit of issue with the Big Show's performance in the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like that. That big, I know that Big Show comes back and you know he attacks Rock, throws him out. Like they, he's like, "This isn't over," and that's how I know that this is not over. But <laughs> um, I think my issue was. After The Rock eliminates him, like, literally all you do is just see Big Show just walking his big ass out, sadly, out of the ring. And I kind of, I know it's maybe like a really small note, but I really miss the whole, like, the petulant uh, tantrum-throwing wrestler. You know, like, where they're, like, hitting the, they're hitting the apron, and they're just like, what? What are you talking about? What do you mean? You know what I mean? Like, I missed that. Mm-hmm. And I know he, he was like, he kind of was like, oh, can I get another take and ran out and like, and attacked the rock. But I don't know. You can't really take back that, that dumbass walk out. Like you're not, you're not number four getting eliminated. You motherfucker. Like you just lost in the last two people. Like, can't you, you know, act like you have emotions in the moment. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, I don't think it's, it would take a lot for me to be scared of a man, the size of the big show. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I don't think it would take a lot of intensity on his part. I'm just asking for some intensity. <laughs> like, lose the yes. sort of 90s Gen X, too cool <laughs> to have feelings vibe and uh, get mad, man. <laughs> I think it really would have helped what? if Big Show had gone in earlier too, taken out a whole bunch of people, really kind of like sold it. Yeah, like, like really like clear the ring in a, in a, in a noticeable way. Who had most eliminations? Bobby, was it Rikishi? It was. Yeah. Rikishi had the most eliminations. Let me just double check because it might have been shared with but I don't I don't think so. I think Test. it was just Rikishi. Test had a lot of eliminations. No. No, no, Test it would have no been um either I think maybe Big Show or Kane. Whoever came out and cleared a bunch. There was like another one that came kind of close, but I think um yeah, it was just Rikishi. And the right. Iron Man was test at, you know, 26 minutes or whatever. But, you know, usually the Iron Man goes over 30 minutes. There's usually at least one person. Now we have people go almost an hour. Bianca Belair was in there about an hour. Becky Lynch or whatever. I think, was it Becky Lynch was in there for an hour? Sasha Banks has been there for about an hour. I mean, like, there's a lot of, uh, that's, that's, that's the sort of standard now for the, mm-hmm. for the workhorse of the, the Rumble. I think Rey Mysterio might have been there the longest. Maybe Daniel I Bryan he- in the Greatest Royal Rumble. That's not canon. Oh, well, well, Strowman then has the most, you know, we have to, anyway. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not Wait, a, I'm is not the a... greatest Royal Rumble, is that the one from Saudi Arabia? Yeah. Yes. Fuck that. No. 
One thing about the end of this that I also feel like really took me out of it is I didn't realize how much I would miss the WrestleMania pointing. That has become so, because I mean, like in, in no uncertain terms, does it declare now we are officially on the road to WrestleMania. And I, I, Mm -hmm. I'm not usually a one, a sucker for tradition, um, in that way. And honestly find the point so predictable and kind of stupid, but in the absence of it, I found myself feeling kind of empty. But we did get, we did get the rock. Uh, finally the rock goes to WrestleMania. So, you know, or comes to WrestleMania, I guess he said, uh, so, you know, we got something along the lines. And we'll get to WrestleMania soon enough. But first, we have a little bit more business. For years, WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards. And we end each episode of Hell in a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammies in a segment we call For Your Reconsideration. I'm going to go first because it's not really a funny one. And, okay. you know, just... Uh, I'm just going to give this to Slammy for a nearly perfect pay-per-view. Mm. Um, it's been a long year of pay-per-views for us. And a lot of them, I was like on my phone uh, and, you know, had to watch in like a couple different sessions because holy shit, I have to watch Midian and Viscera again or, <laughs> or some other bullshit. But I'll be honest. I mean, like, the Rumble, we, we we did a lot of shitting on the Rumble, but the Rumble's always fun to watch. I'm never not going to want to watch a Rumble. The uh, There were so many matches on this card that were just good matches. And even the bad matches, it was like pizza. Like, it, there, even the bad matches were pretty, was still pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mind the triple threat match with... Uh, with hardcore and China and Jericho, I there were enough good things for me to like it. I just, I liked Taz and and Angle. I mean, holy shit! Like any any pay per view that has uh, that tables match and and the uh, street fight between Triple H and and Cactus Jack. I mean, that's a deadly deadly combination. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Eric. This is one of the most stacked cards. I mean, we could go back to Canadian Stampede, and I'm sure there's been a couple in in the the meantime, but this card was stacked. This is a great show. I'll go up next. I'm going to go with the Get These Hands Award to whoever the guy was in the audience who made giant Cactus Jack finger guns that he was using throughout the match that I noticed every single time. <laughs> you came with a purpose and you accomplished your purpose. Great job. <laughs> bang, bang. I'm going to give my um, community award to the headbangers who apparently who JR kept insisting um, are alternative lifestyle, which I thought was... <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. Hey, sis. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, uh, very weird uh, way to describe that just because he was wearing a fuzzy cone bra, which that looked like it was from Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> yeah, Headbagger Thrasher didn't even make the cut, did he? Yeah, but Headbagger Mosh, you had to watch out for him. Him and Crash Holly, that was The Rock's biggest obstacles. <laughs> <laughs> All right, love us, disagree, want to hit us in the face with a 2 by 4 wrapped in barbed wire? Let us know. Email us at hellinacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at Hell in a Cell Pod or tweet at us individually. 
Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Midst by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll have a new episode next week and join us again in two weeks for No Way Out.